And it's like, ah! It's like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. That's a good starting point. Thank wow. you. Wow. Well, on that note, welcome back to Gear and Beer. Today, the pride of Tennessee, Mr. Kevin Key. Kevin? Hey, hey. How are you, buddy? You're Eastern Tennessee, right? Uh, just east of Nashville. Still kind of Middle Tennessee. Okay. But right as you're starting to go up the plateau. So right that's, on. That's where I grew up. So. What, what would you call your hometown? Uh, are you from a town or are you from a county yeah i'm from a well both okay. uh smith county is the county but the town's called carthage tennessee carthage i've heard it never been there been to carthage texas i have too it's a great little town i don't know whose well. hair that is on my beard but it's, it's certainly not, not ours mine. <laughs> nor mine it's not Lyndon's either Lyndon mccarty twisting and tweaking Here's Lyndon. uh kevin's brought some of his cool stuff with him and we'll certainly get to that um uh we're gonna we're gonna do this podcast and get to the important thing which is smoking cigars that is a very important thing it is an important it's an important release and indulgence that it is and uh i do so enjoy it we smoked a cigar last night we're gonna smoke a cigar tonight um i could get used to that i i i shouldn't but i probably could well no <laughs> norton we shouldn't that's that gets expensive and bad for the old uh the old gum health as well as general oral health right but uh we gotta, we gotta stay we have to have pretty you know we're, we're we're all gonna die one day amen so i don't know i'd like I'd to edit that out i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong that's not that you're not uh you're not turning over any stones left unturned that's what I would say common knowledge, and sometimes you just got to live a little bit, you know? This is true. You've got to, you've got to uh, put uh, a, a songwriter in town. Jerry Sally wrote a song that said, I can't put more days into my life, so I'll put more life into my days. Poignant. I'm like, that's, uh, that is uh, very zen-like right there. It is. Uh, it, it, it certainly strikes a, a tone and rings true you just you know don't was it a i had i had a phrase and i, and I forgot it but it doesn't matter um more about you oh. so <laughs> so he only brought guitar stuff today but kevin is also a, a professional bass owner like myself yes that's what i i i laughingly say <laughs> that kevin's a great bass player but I like to refer to myself as a bass owner because we, we're primarily guitar players. Right. We play a lot of bass gigs. That we do. <laughs> and, I, and I love playing bass. I do too, man. Uh, I don't – I'm – this is going to surprise everybody that's ever seen this podcast, but I'm a little bit particular. I don't want to play <laughs> bass if the guitar player sucks. Did you say you're well, particular? No. I, didn't, yeah. I would never say that. Well, I, I you know, I don't – I don't want to play a gig. I, I, you know, I if don't the guitar player is good, like I'm, I have no trouble playing bass. But it's just it sucks doing something that I'm less good at while somebody else is 
doing really badly at the thing that I am the that best you exce- at. You excel know? at, yeah. And it's just kind of I can, you know. I, I just I, I just like to be a part of a I like to be a part of a group or a band or situation that everything's just grooving and being great. Totally. Even if I'm just playing rhythm guitar and there's a lot of other stuff going on, but if it's great and it's amazing, I want to be a part of it. Uh, that that to me is the thing. Music is uh, music's a lot of fun on your own, but it's way more fun when you got more other when you got other people involved and everybody's listening to each other and working Absolutely. off each other. Listening to each other is so key and and so many different professional situations from downtown to on the road and all in and the studio everything it's like you you find it's pretty easy to tell who's listening and who's not listening exactly <laughs> yeah i don't i don't like the whole uh like you know vibing somebody thing but like if you're not listening you're not gonna get called back no uh and you know it's a it's a group effort it always is so and it's always gonna be better for the group if everybody kind of gets into what everybody does you don't have to maybe love it but at least hear what's going on and sure because we're it's we're interact ha- we're having a conversation totally so it's like if you've got the one person you may not agree with what they're saying but you still got to give them their chance to say what they say that's fair you know and i like to uh especially in the downtown thing where you're just you're playing for so long like, oh yeah to stay interested i like i i enjoy listening and hearing somebody do something and whatever instrument i'm playing either echo back a rhythm or or a similar similar melody or right. like that's fun to me that's the 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 conversation in inside of the song which is obviously the first yeah absolutely and uh you know just like in conversation somebody cracks a joke and we all laugh sometimes in those situations you got to play something kind of silly or goofy just to lighten the mood totally it's four hours of playing that's that's a lot of a lot of hard work for uh anybody that's never done what we do i mean obviously we're not building we're not building buildings or or uh you know doing it's a different it's a different kind of uh endurance is required absolutely but uh you know you uh um i just treat it as a conversation we all you know get to have our input and say what say what we're gonna say and uh we should all listen to each other and uh just have fun if it's not fun i don't want to do it that's that's the thing in the end absolutely i've always said that Give me bad music and good players over good music and bad players any day because you can make you can polish the shit out of a turd. If, pardon my French, but um, oh, we do it every day. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I would ra- I would rather play songs that I would never listen to on my own otherwise with a bunch of people of the same frame of mind where it's like yeah we're gonna play this song and it doesn't matter if i like it because we're performing a role which is entertainment for a mass of people who are in turn tipping us and buying drinks and staying there and then people walk by and they're like there's a bunch of people in this bar let's go see why all these people are in this bar and while that is not how i think about things when i walk by them if i if i walk by a place i'm like there's nobody in there i was like let's go in there but 
that's not that's not normal i'm not a normal person right i don't well, know if you've noticed that about me well hi <laughs> i've looked in the mirror today <laughs> like who are you no um but uh we uh you know we as performers as entertainers we have to keep we always have to keep in mind that it's not always about us uh it's about the audience it's almost never about us right <laughs> But and that's I, cool. Yeah, that's cool. But I have also li- I also do live by the theory of if the band is having fun, everybody else will. Smiles go a long Absolutely. way coming and, off and a platform. I'm, and I'm guilty of being the person that may not always smile. Uh, and I, you know, I get called out about it every now and then. But you know you what? Know, the you know what I hate though is the the drunk lady that's like waiting for you to look in her direction or whatever and eventually you see them and they just go and they they they're telling you to smile it's like you know what i'll smile if i want to but you don't get to tell me when to smile drunk lady it's like i'm concentrating up here yeah. that's where i just want to walk up and pretend like i'm putting something in a tip jug that looks like a 20 dollar bill yeah <laughs> it's like yeah i'll i'll smile uh, you put some money in that jug and i'll yeah as sarcastically as i can muster absolutely well (laughs) you know guitar players get the guitar face going and it's not always a pretty thing it's rarely pretty for me even when i'm not making weird guitar faces right but you know you still you know in the end if you're doing what we do you got to have fun with it that's that's the most important thing and it doesn't matter what level you do it if you're you know an absolute rock star or if you're in a garage band and you go play at the local vfw on the weekend have fun with it that's all that matters yeah if you're you know doing the proverbial doing it for to get chicks or whatever it'll never turn into anything anyway but for the people who are like really trying to do that i i think that i think that's really good advice. right well and you'll find your you'll find your way to progress in the ways that you need to progress yeah. you know of uh, and in the end it's a language you know we get to you know i love talking with guy you know travel around talking with guys who they may be in local bands and they have their regular jobs and whatnot but mm-hmm. they show up and play and they want to be there and they're right. having a ball and the weekend warriors yeah what or, or you know whatever you want to call it the local heroes whatever huh? yeah the i love seeing guys who just totally get off on what it on on playing music and and there and a lot of those dudes are are killing they absolutely. just also happen to be architects or right. you know or whatever or warehouse managers or guys loading trucks at the docks or whatever it is absolutely and i like that i like that too i anybody that's good and doing it for the right reasons like you're talking about right you're there to have it's about having fun we do this because it is fun and as bb king once famously said it's like you're not paying me for the two hours I'm on stage. That's that's I, that's fun. You're paying me for the other twenty two. Exactly. And that that rings true with uh, me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sitting in airports and vans and buses and green rooms and trucks and cars and parking garages and mm-hmm. pushing carts full of gear up and down Fifth Street and Fourth Street. Absolutely. I. I used to hate the trek back to my car 
pushing my gear up the hill but now i'm just like always trying to like see how fast i can get up there yeah <laughs> and if i can do it without with only breathing through my nose yeah. that's that's what i'm doing when i'm right. going up there it's like i'm i'm not gonna be that guy over here uh gasping for air yeah. i'm gonna do what i can i'm gonna try to breathe through my nose and everybody's gonna be like look at that physical specimen pushing that cart <laughs> <Yeah>, absolutely <laughs> it's a paid workout that's the reason we love to play bass yes yes <laughs> it's way easier way easier but on mondays i play a double and it's a guitar bass double so oh, i yeah. have all, all of it. the stuff i started playing this guy that helps oh the woolly coats yeah those are some really good amps i've i've not actually played a gig through one but i've messed around with them a little bit i've been uh, that actually belongs to uh my buddy boo and first episode guest of this podcast and he just it was like his green room amp out with miranda and he's like uh we're off the road for the pandemic he gave it to me at the beginning like like march i think i or maybe april i went and picked it up from his tech because it was yeah. just in at storage at sound uh at uh sound check sound check yeah i was, I was like what's that place called <laughs> um and i've basically been just only gigging with that since i love my matchless but it's a lot yeah well i understand for a bar gig you know because you see what i'm carrying to broadway these days i got it right here my trusty 65 princeton reverb it, it we'll definitely be hearing from that thing very soon as a matter of fact i don't really see any reason to wait let's fire that son of a bitch up okay well uh a little backstory on it uh yes, I've had please this, had this amp uh oh, about 12 years now and uh it's the uh the chassis is all uh original 1965 except for the output transformer has been changed but uh everything on the circuit still uh original and uh death cap removed presumably. yeah <laughs> yeah death cap has been removed absolutely and obviously it's in a different cabinet uh yes it is and it came that way i didn't do that and it came with the chicken head knobs on it i didn't do that either Interesting. but uh it's got a 12 inch baffle in it so it uh it gets a little rounder than a typical princeton would because of having the 12 uh, instead of the 10 yeah which i like because uh, it gets you a little bit closer to sounding like a deluxe reverb sure uh but you're still at 15 watts uh i might be able to count on one hand the, the 12 here too yeah i love it i might be able to count on one hand the number of times that i've had a sound person tell me to turn that thing down uh but uh yeah, it's not. So the princes are what? Eighteen watts? They're fifteen. Fifteen watts. Fifteen watts. I've uh, never actually owned one. My dad actually just got a. Uh, it's like a seventy-one or a seventy-three that somebody had like upgraded certain yeah. parts and stuff, and it sounds actually pretty awesome. That's cool. He, he's a banker, but he's he's a hobbyist. Okay. Well. uh what's great you know most places that like where we play at these days we're micing everything up and you know you've got either monitors or the capability of in-ears or whatnot so volume is not as big of an issue as it used to be when when it was the old club days when you just had to fill the room up right you know and that's when which i'm great at yeah well i i can be if i need to be both with my body and with my sound (laughs) (laughs) absolutely 
I hear you there for sure. I can't <laughs> I can't fill it up with hair. I, I, yeah, I, me either. Uh, maybe beard hair. Yeah, you got you've got the you got a nice beard going on. I got a re- I got a reverse ponytail. Whoop. Yeah. Hey now. But uh, but yeah, I, I did. You build it. this guitar too. Uh, this guitar is actually uh, it's a '79 Strat. Ooh. And uh, it was the first guitar like real guitar I owned. I had uh, I had a uh, JB Player Sledgehammer Strat copy before this that uh, was kind of my my folks like we'll get him a good cheap one see if he'll break into it and sure then, and then, uh, and boy, boy did you break oh, in good lord <laughs> uh, I, I broke it all right <laughs> but uh yeah the, the original neck i've still got it it's uh it's in uh storage at, at this is a warmoth too yeah this is a warmoth as well this is uh their boat neck as they call it because it's a kind of a bigger v-neck oh, okay uh and it's a one-piece maple uh and i've got uh uh, locking tuners shawler locker locking tuners uh really tall stainless frets uh bone do nut. you find that 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 wears your strings out more quickly the stainless frets uh no i haven't found that i just find that the strings don't wear the frets out as much sure because, sure but uh i i don't wind up uh i don't find that i'm changing strings any different than i was before I'm just, I, and I, I don't know that i even have ever had a guitar with stainless frets on i just heard that and so i was curious yeah i don't know that that's that's obviously could be lower it could be but uh this guitar came with the uh the brass tail piece and saddles so uh as a kid in the early 90s you know uh with all the country phase coming out and brent mason playing on every other record that came out of town uh, this being the only guitar I owned, I had to do what I could to try to make this sound like a Telecaster. Sure. And so that helped a lot. Yeah, I bet. Just having all the brass down there. Uh, and now I have, these are aftermarket pickups, obviously. I still have the originals. These are uh, uh, Bill Lawrence stacks. These are the exact set that Reggie Young used in his 57 Strat. Oh, okay. For like the last 20 years that he was alive and whatnot. So this being a little bit more of a, a country guitar, I figured that it was a good, you know, it was a good setup. It's still pretty stratty, but uh, I'll let you hear down here in the bridge position. Well, and real quick, so the oh, signal sorry. chain is we're, we're he's going into his Princeton into the ox into what what cab did we go with? Uh, we did a one twelve uh, V thirty. No, a uh, greenback. Greenback thirty. It's a one a one twelve greenback. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think it sounds great. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, and then uh, I've just got a little bit of this Wampler Ego compressor going right now. No delay or anything. So. It's, pre- it's still got a little bit of stratness to it, but it's got it's got some honk. Yeah, but it's, sure. it's, yeah, it's twangy yeah. too. It's got, it's got the... It's got the punch of a Tele yeah. bridge that the Strat often right. does not have. And if you need, I, I always, with every Strat I own, wire the bridge pickup to a tone load. So you can roll a little bit of that out. And it mellows up just enough, yeah, you know, yeah. but you still get enough kind of spank out of it. Uh, but if you go to the other pickups, like here's the middle pickup, you know. It's a little throatier, you know, yeah. but it's still got that creamy mid-range kind of thing, too. I love a middle pickup. 
Me too. I, I find myself using it more and more these days. When I play Strat, I use a lot of middle pickup. Positions one, two, three, sometimes five. If I'm if I'm playing some like straight up blues, I'll definitely yeah. throw the neck on. I almost never use position four, the neck and middle out of phase. Do you yeah. ever use that? Very rarely, unless I need to like sound like Hendrix or something. Unless I'm just going for something weird. Yeah. Uh, but I'm usually a one, three, and five guy typically. Sometimes two. I love two, man. Yeah. Two is great for funk stuff. See, that's got that's got some bluesy vibe to it, but. Yeah, this guitar's got a good little point to it. You know, it's it's a friendly point. It's not it's not a uh, blind you or take your head off kind of point. Right, but, right. But uh, even in the neck position, yeah, even in the neck position, it's just like you can get some really cool, you know, funkier kind of. <laughs> Which is crazy because they're stacks, you know, so they're absolutely quiet. But, you know, you can go, uh, you know, there's the four. That sounds more usable than mine. Yeah, it'll, do the, it'll do the Hendrix thing. And then, of course, the, the ever-popular 80s second position. The Steve Warner sound. Oh, yeah. Steve Warner is one of my favorite I love, songwriters, singers, guitar players. I love everything about Steve Warner, period. That's just all there is to it. He is uh, just – I love everything about him. I love his playing. Uh, he's just a great, wonderful human being. I've never met the man, but I've heard good things. Oh, you, you'll never – You'll hear bad things if yeah. there are bad things. Oh, there, <laughs> oh, well, there aren't any. So That's why I ain't heard them. I, I use – uh, I use stuff that I ripped from the uh, No More N- Mr. Nice Guy. No, from uh, from the Midnight Fire solo. I I use so much, from, which he did play the, he, the the part right after that is yeah. the one that the descending yeah E bends yeah. or uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that that shit. Yeah, uh, he played. That was actually a Glazer Strat. Was it with a with a bender in it? Oh, he had he was. had that before. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. He had that before he had the Telecaster. He uh, I saw I saw an interview with him not too long ago. But that was that was that uh, that record, and that was one of the first records they actually turned him loose and let him play on. Well, he was like a session guy before, and and, and he was doing he's playing guitar and he was doing background vocals and somebody from what i understand was like man you should be an artist and he's like you know what yeah i should and then he did and thank goodness he did oh yeah he's <laughs> yeah the weekend and stuff like that uh-huh what uh even you know even uh the there ought to be a Hall of Fame for Mama. Oh yeah, that's it's a oh yeah, a little well, bit hokey, but well, it, still awesome. And he was doing that with Glenn Campbell, which is awesome in itself. Touche, so, 
the the rhinestone cowboy, the Wichita lineman himself. Yes, I guess Jimmy Webb would be the Wichita lineman. But. Well, <laughs> yeah, but Jimmy Webb would uh, Jimmy Webb would tell you that he always had Glenn Campbell in mind. Well, yeah, the best part about Wichita lineman <laughs> is that's half of a song. Yeah, he's like, oh no, I wasn't done. It's like, well, tough. We just cut it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Everyone loves it. It's yeah. done. <laughs> there you go. Careful what you play us. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what was it Joe Walsh said about Funk 49? He said, if I'd have known I'd be playing this for the rest of my life, I would have wrote something different. <laughs> that guy. I love that guy. Oh, he, he's the greatest. He's freaking awesome, for sure. What are you... Uh, like? He's got such a unique voice on both his vocal cords and and the guitar. Yeah. What a what a monster yeah i mean you 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 know it's him as soon as he starts playing for sure and for especially sure. when he starts singing yeah or if you see him you're like oh my yeah. god it's like there's joe that's an incredibly unique looking man yeah <laughs> yeah he's a rock star he kind of looks like uh <laughs> he <laughs> I'm just not even going to say that. I'll just remind me to tell you later. I'm just going to go ahead and omit <laughs> that. We'll bring that back up on. That'll be cigar talk yes, right there. Yes, in, so. indeed. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so that uh, the amp sounds great, and I've heard you play it many times downtown, and it's it sounds great. Oh, thank you. It's you, it's a. Uh, I I just I it just works with what I do well because I can I can. I love to lean into the amp, you know, not make it break up like crazy, but a little hair, a little, just you know, if you lay into it, I want it to, I want it to scream back at you a little. I, I mean, I think that's that's the beauty of the tube amp is yeah. finding that sweet spot in the saturation. Yeah. Well, and and I'll show you right here if you uh, you know that's fairly clean. You hit it with a, just a little bit of a boost. Huh? You get just a little bit of grit. It's yeah. not it's not take your head off grit, but it's just it's just bigger and meaner. Totally. You know. And then, you know, you hit it with a full on drive out. And th- that's the that's a king of tone he's running into the Yeah. The version the version four, the the vaunted version four that everybody loves. Uh I've got a couple of these. I got I got hip to them probably about 12 years ago. I heard a couple session guys talking about them. So I found one online. Was one of them Bugavec? Uh, Well, one of them was James Mitchell, actually. He was talking about it. But I think Bukovac was uh, who he had really started hearing about them from. Which, I mean, Bukovac's tone king all day, every day. It yeah, you're not wrong. No, Uncle Larry, Uncle Larry himself. <laughs> I need to meet Uncle Larry. I never have. I've met him several times at his at his shop when I like yeah. first moved to town. The first time I ever walked into his shop, he sprung up from behind the counter. I was, first of all, I was the only person in there, and he sprung up like it's like oh man, he's a dude, and I'm and I'm like, do I know? Who you know? That's Tom Bukovac. I don't know him. Why is he? Why is he acting? Like, why is he acting like he hadn't seen me in twelve years? Yeah, and he's like he goes dude you gotta check this out and i'm like okay uh nashville's a weird place let's figure out what is and he he hands me a carina flying v and he plugs it into a car rambler 
<laughs> and he's like, you got to play this thing, man. It's uh, it, This flying is the best sound of flying V I've ever heard, man. I don't even like flying Vs. So I'm playing it, and I, you know, I'm sounding like a fistful of thumbs. And I play it for a second, and he goes, let me see it. And he grabs it, and he puts his leg up on the amp and puts the V on his and on his leg and his eyes close and his head goes back and he just starts playing <laughs> the course. most beautiful shit ever god's radio of, as he calls it of course Dear and, beer. and the other time that uh i went to to the second time rather i went to bukovac the second time i went to second gear uh, he was just sitting at the counter drinking a Coors Light, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And I'm just like, uh, "You know, I was just coming to see what was here, see if there's anything that I can't live without." And he goes, uh, "Come with me to the back." And we went to the back, and he had his 64 Viberlux and three other 64 <laughs> Viberlux that he was shooting out oh, wow. earlier. And he's like, "Tell me which one sounds the best." So he played them all, and. And I was like, I think I, I like that one. He goes, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And then he he's like, he's like, do you cook? And I was like, a little bit. And he's like, you ever do a pork shoulder in the crock pot? And I was like, actually, no. And he goes, he goes, bro, put a pork shoulder in the crock pot with a whole jar of sauerkraut. And that's it. And I said, seriously? And he goes, trust me. I said, okay. I never did that. <laughs> never did that never one. tried that no i mean it's so crazy because he's like he's i mean he's a legend he's royalty he's all these things he don't know me from nobody i just walked into the same place he happened to be in and run and he's giving me recipes and making me play karina flying v's and do 64 vibralux shootouts <laughs> yeah well that's what I, I found that that's what all the greats they're like you know they're just kind of they're they're not just great at their crowd they're good people and they're good with people you know that has not just, been my experience <laughs> you know i mean maybe there's some that aren't but you know we talked about steve warner earlier i mean he's really the nicest guy in the world uh, I did get to share a stage with him one time, and it was super cool. I was working I with Wade Hayes. We were doing a, a benefit show at Franklin Theater down in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, There's a he dog got a, hair on this microphone. Oh, well, certainly not mine. But, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not your dog hair. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he got up, and he did like three songs. We did The weekend. We did uh, – I love that mid-chorus mod, man. Yeah. Bring back the mid-chorus mod music row. Absolutely. Just bring back music. Yeah, bring back mods. Bring there, back- there's good music, but there's not any mods. I want mods. I want Brian White mods. Yeah. I'll uh, even I'll settle for Toby Keith mods. Yeah. But we wound up doing, uh, uh, what was the song? It was, uh, uh, I think it was uh, Crash Course in the Blues. It was from the I Am Ready album. I don't know it's that kind one. Of a, it was a fast chicken picking kind of thing, uh, and on the record he had uh, Albert Lee, that oh, okay. that British guy, yeah, you yeah. know, come play on it some. But we all traded solos around, and he threw me some. He threw Wade some, and I mean, we, it just turned into guitar palooza. And we got I'm done here for that. Yeah, we got done. Walked off stage. He's like, "Man, I wanted that go on for like two or three more minutes. I want to hear you play some more." I was like, "Well, you call me anytime, and I'll come play yeah, for you. you. Just <laughs> let me know, bro." <laughs> I'm on my way. Absolutely. 
But what uh, you know, uh, I've I've been very fortunate that uh, a lot of the heroes that I've met have been just super cool. I would say that's been mostly true for me, but there has been there has been some instances where I'm just like, really, it happens. Yeah, well, everybody has a bad day, and it's not even like a. That's happened to me in situations where it's like it's not even that I met them. I'm just like watching them be a total jackass, and for no reason in whatever the scenario is, like at a, at, a, at one of their gigs, you know, not like big stage gigs, obviously, but like club gigs, yeah, killing side players well, or, or jazz guys. guys or whatever. Yeah, uh, you know. You want to take, I always say, you want to take things serious enough to be best you can be, but you don't want to take things so serious that you take all the fun out of it. And 100%. And especially take the fun out of it for everybody else. It's one thing you always have to remember. Just because you're having a bad day, don't make everybody else have one too. That, uh, you go ahead and say that again, as far as I'm concerned. Because, yeah, just because you have a bad day, don't make it a bad day for everybody else. And, this goes for this is something that I say about the the downtown scene, which I I love, and we talk about a lot because it's something that we all do. At least most of the people that have been on this podcast. But if you don't want to do a gig, say no. Just stay home. Don't yeah. Don't show up because that's it's work downtown. Even when it's fun, it's still work. About two and a half hours in, you, you know your your back or your shoulder starts hurting, or your bladder starts hurting or you know whatever whatever the scenario don't 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 bring your dark cloud down to that if you don't want to be there or you're you know you need a break take a break man your gigs there's gigs down there you can get gigs yeah well in the real world that's what people do they get bogged down with life or with work or whatever what do they do they take a vacation they go on holiday yeah that was my best British accent. Holiday. <laughs> Holiday. Your ancestors would be proud. Well, uh, they're <laughs> mostly German. So, German and Scottish. Yeah. Scotch. That's a delicious idea for cigars later. Oh, I don't have any. I'm a terrible person, but that's okay. I was going to say that would be all yours. So. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, but I don't have any. That's okay. My dad wouldn't be very happy about that, but he's not here. And if he was, I would probably already have some scotch. Um,. <laughs> So, when you're tracking at your house, because you, know, you do a lot of stuff from your house, you, I do, a lot of work yeah. for a, a, you know full sessions and fly tracks and all that stuff. So, holler at Kevin. You got a website or anything? Uh, it's uh, com. If Lyndon will make a note of that, and I'll be sure to include that in the show notes, so that you guys, if you need to hire Kevin, and you do, uh, you'll have a way to do that pretty easily. So. Um, but so i know you got a bunch of different amps is there something that is there a a specific signal chain that you find yourself falling falling or starting with most times uh you know depending on the style of music or depending on the style of music depends on usually what guitar i go to uh i've got uh assortment of strats and tellies i've got a les paul that i use sometimes uh got a probably the vibiest guitar i've got is a yamaha aes 1500 it's a semi-hollow body looks like a country gentleman oh but okay it's, it's orange kind of calico cat looking Interesting. Or my buddy gage that's what he, call, he calls he uh-huh. calls a calico cat 
but it's got a Bigsby on it. It's got virtual P90s in it. So it does the 335 thing a little bit. It does the Gretsch thing pretty well, too. But it's just a really cool, vibey guitar. Interesting. Um, but you know, and, that one someday. I don't, I don't uh, think yeah, I've seen one of those. I should have brought it today. I just yeah, whatever. I already, I already had a, a bunch of stuff in yeah, the but truck, so You so. brought plenty. But uh, anyway, depending, uh, we'll just say it's it's straight-ahead country thing. I'm playing Telecaster. So I'll have a Tele. I've got a little board I keep underneath my desk at home. It's just a leftover piece of plywood I had from something years ago that I put Velcro on. And I've just got a handful of little things on there, like a Keela compressor, if I need. Which one, the silver one? Uh, yeah, and it's Four just knob? The, the two knob. Oh, two knob. Yeah, just the two knob. Copy. And uh, uh, I've got that. I've got my other uh, King of Tone on there. And uh, I keep... Uh, a couple loop. I it, I have a looper box that's got six loops on it. I keep a couple loops that I just sort of throw Patch whatever, in. patched in. That's awesome. Volume pedals on one of them. Uh, what volume pedal you use? Uh, I've got a the Ernie Ball MVP, okay. the, pow- the powered one that I can use as a boost as well too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I find that it it doesn't uh, it doesn't suck your tone like a normal VP would. Have you looked at the Justin Butler through tone effects? I have, and I've talked with Justin about it. I just haven't broken down to to get it yet. I know he does some really good stuff. That's the best, man. He's I usually making one for me right now. Oh wow, he's probably not at, at this exact <laughs> at this moment. Hour? No, he's probably making pasta. For yeah, he's probably right making now. pasta for Chelsea or at like Top Golf or something, or but. racing his car. He's just being awesome, <laughs> is all he's doing. He is because he's, that's what justin butler justin is. rules he does he's he's a cool cat you should check his stuff out he's absolutely we, we had him on the podcast he was the fourth guest and he will certainly be back he's done work on everyone that owns a vintage fenders in this whole town that knows anything about where to take their vintage fender to so and i, I, need, I have one i need to do that pedals. too of course, I I do have to say I've known Jeff Heim for twenty five years now. So Jeff Jeff and I go back to college uh, days together, and uh, he's always taking care of me. But uh, I do know Justin does great work as well. He does, and you know, uh, he's not the only person that does good work. Everybody obviously knows Heim. So. Well, and and in Nashville, uh, there's so many musicians here that there's more than. Jeff. you need more than one dude you gotta you gotta have more than one you need dude. jeff you need todd sharp you need yeah justin you need uh, well you know it's like uh all the a lot of the guys go to glazer and glazer does amazing work and uh, if you got two months to, to wait for it he does yeah uh which i is, don't yeah so <laughs> i i've been going to john levan uh with the guitar services workshop for 20 plus years I just take him stuff now. If it he knows what he knows how I play it, knows what my setup is. He, we've actually come up with a cool way of. Uh, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but uh, well, don't. Uh, but these are all uh, vintage radius fretboards that I use on all my fenders, so it's like seven and a quarter. Oh, okay. Uh, but in order to, I love tall frets. We've talked about that before. So basically, he's got a way that he kind of almost does a. uh, flattens the radius of the frets themselves as it goes up the fretboard there's a guy uh big john london you know big john Oliveira from denton yeah uh uh-huh he does he does something like that this guy back in denton texas yeah 
but it's it, it, it affects the brightness of the guitar a lot yeah it, it to me it feels like it opens things up a little bit yeah and i i always this is just me i know it's not everybody but i always feel most of the time guy a lot of guys especially on broadway could stand to have a little more top end and when i say top end i'm not talking like that yeah i'm just talking about clarity top end it just sparkle spark a little more sparkle a little more air the, yeah the, the open sound yeah and uh and can we also briefly talk about uh how we and i know that you're in this category uh, wouldn't you like to hear more people play false imprisoned blues without distortion oh, i'd love <laughs> to hear i'd love to hear guys play an entire gig without pedals I had to, well, you kind of can't do the the normal Broadway. This gig is true pedals. anymore. Anymore, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could do a Roberts gig, or you could do you could maybe do an AJ's gig. I used to uh, at Robert. Actually, this past, do you bring a pedal to the the Tuesday Robbie gig? I do bring. I've got a small board, uh, not much bigger than this pedal train, with just a handful of things on it. I've got an overdrive, a compressor, uh, a clean boost, and a and a delay and a tuner. Yeah, and. Uh, that kind of like gets, a nano or something yeah it's just a little nano and uh uh but at roberts for a long time i was coming in with a telecaster uh this little bell epoch uh echo because a lot of what we do has that kind of late 60s early 70s spring thing well it has the the echoplex kind of vibe going mm-hmm. oh, with the, oh the, so that's supposed to be a, that's an echoplex similar yeah. to the ep boost Except it actually does echo. Yeah, the EP boost is just the preamp of yeah, the, which I have right. I'm here. familiar. I, I, I've seen that pedal, but I, I don't actually. I've never used one. I, don't, I had I don't, a roommate that had one. I really like them. Caleb yeah. has got great stuff. It's it's really cool. You know, it doesn't have a tap on it, so you've got to sort of manually adjust some things. But oh, you know, that's, that's that was back bad. in the days when you know Grady Martin was tracking big big red his 345 that he had through Echoplex into whatever Fender amp was around. 345s what a weird guitar yeah but that was the sound of country music for about 10 years it's super cool to think that you can <laughs> run your guitar to two different signal chains i know uh, you know that's that works weird live and probably great for tracking yeah well i i don't know that he ever really used it that way i think he more or less tried to you know keep more of a mono signal but uh I know when he started using the Echoplex, you could tell because there were several records where the Echoplex was way out front, you know. Yeah. If you listen to a Conway Twitty uh, song called The Image of Me, the whole the first part of the intro is that that big, round, clean, jazzy tone, and the Echoplex just, I mean, it's it's perfect. I, I tell you what, I... Uh, are you familiar with the the podcast Cocaine and Rhinestones? Absolutely. Well, I, I love going back through that stuff because I don't have much of a background in that era of country music. My parents didn't really listen to country, and my grandparents listened to like gospel and bluegrass. Yeah. So like, I you know it went from Bill Monroe stuff to led zeppelin and leonard skinner and james taylor and the carpenters with my parents so i'm missing i was missing a lot in like a you know a music education kind of how i grew up as well but you know we we had a lot of george jones and merle haggard and we had none of that yeah my dad listened to a lot of like texas guys like 
uh, Robert Earl and Jerry Jeff and, oh, yeah. and Guy Clark. Guy Clark has been huge for uh, forever. Guy Clark's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the cowboy poet. I mean, say no more. That's I, We went to the... The first time I ever went to the Ryman was for the Guy Clark Celebration of Life and all those people sang, Vince Gill sang, Jack Ingram made everyone in the Ryman cry uh, with the way he sang uh, uh, Randall Knife. No, no, no. It was uh, I can't remember. There's so there's so many ones. Oh but, yeah. Uh, uh, what's your? I can't remember. I, there's so many, there were so many people that sang, um, and I'm now unable to come up with any of any of it. So yeah. moving on. I apologize. It's uh, all right. What did I digress from? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can we can edit that very pregnant pause out. No, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, do it live. No, I saw Guy Clark uh, when I was a sophomore in college at uh, at the Station Inn. Very first time I ever oh, went man. there, and it was during Americana Week, and he was closing out the night. Full band. Well, he was there or with him and Verlin. He and Verlin and Susie Ragsdale. Okay, and uh, I think Pomeroy was playing upright bass. It just the four of them. And it was one awesome. of the coolest shows I ever saw in my life because he just got up there. He started with, uh, I think the brand new record at the time was the Dublin Blues album. So he started yeah. with Dublin Blues. He did, uh, he did like Homegrown Tomatoes or something like right after that. And then he just he said, "Okay, I don't have a set list. What do y'all want to hear?" And he played for about three and a half hours. I, I saw him in Verlin a couple times towards the end of his life at Poor David's Pub in Dallas. Yeah, and, which is a cool venue. Yeah, and this is well past being able to smoke anywhere. It's in second location. Oh, yeah. Um, And he's just up there smoking, chain-smoking cigarettes, telling stories, and occasionally playing songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome, dude. And it was a full house. It's a club. You know, it's... Yeah, I had a medium been, club at largest. Yeah, I hadn't been to any of the other locations other than the original. Though the original was awesome. I had yeah. cut my teeth there. There's a local there was a Texas blues legend, Bugs Henderson, yeah. guitar player. Uh he happened to be a friend of my dad. They used to play poker together and whatnot. And uh in sixth grade, Bugs Henderson gave me a guitar lesson that changed my life. It opened up all he taught me about relative major and minor and like yeah. all these all these different positions and pentatonics and stuff. That's great. Changed my whole world. Um and my dad used to take me to Port David's pub. I would go I was there fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old on a Saturday night. That's awesome. And they they would let us in and I got to stand where we could where I could watch him and like I learned so much. Why he, he's a his his playing style changed so much. By the time uh but right before he died, he he had he didn't even use a pick anymore, and you know he used to be one of the fastest pickers around. I was going to say he quit using a pick. Yeah, I did not know that. Wow, just he's like, I just like the way it sounds better. I went out probably about three or four years before he died. He he moved out. Uh, he had been there for a while, but he moved out to Marshall, Texas, which is mm-hmm. about two and a half three hours east of dallas yeah and i went out there and visited him one night and we just kind of played around and i was like yeah you know 
show me, the, you know, show me how you think about this stuff. And he just kind of got to the point where he's like, he's like, man, I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, okay. Okay. I respect that. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved PRS is because of him. I have, it's still at my dad's house, uh, a PV Classic 50 that he gave me when I was in sixth grade. Oh, wow. Oh, man. The big boy. It's. I had two of them, and I gigged on. I had a 410 and a 115 PV Classic 50 forever. Oh, wow. Somebody painted the 115. Yeah, most okay, of them. Okay. Yep. It's essentially. I, it's I was a, thinking 12, but it's yeah, It's a 410 basement. Yeah. It's what it's trying to be. It doesn't sound nearly as good. But I had a 15, and paired together, they sounded pretty awesome. I had a 30. The thirty sounded way better than the fifty. I liked my little thirty, it, but it caught on fire at a Tony, gig one time. You, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, Tony Campanova had a classic thirty that sounded great. Yeah, you ever ever mess with either one of those? I uh, I used to. PB uh, made some good amps. Those yeah. weren't really those. I used to play uh, when I was first out of college. Uh, there was I forget where it was, but there was a casino somewhere. They always had a classic thirty, uh, just as a house amp. And if that was the only if that was the only place we were going on the run, I just wouldn't bring an amp and I'd play through it, and it sounded great. Something about the and this is just my theory, and I've done no research to prove nor disprove this, but PCB sounds better at low wattage than it does at higher wattage, and it's certainly it's it's no secret that it sounds better at lower volume than it does higher volume. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I've got, I've got a reissue, uh, sixty-five deluxe that I've had for almost twenty years now. Is that what you got? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, after I had played it for about seven or eight years, you know, and it started getting a little bit of wear and tear on it, and whatnot. And the only thing I ever did to it was, you know, occasionally change the tubes and then try some different speakers in it. Uh, but I'd take that thing out and play it, and people would be like, what year is that amp? I'm like, it's a reissue. No way. That doesn't sound anything, you know. Uh, but for a 22-watt amp, you know, it, it, it kind of works. People tell me that, sound men tell me that they love it all the time. Literally, like, half the time I go out on a run, somebody will ask me that same question, like, mm-hmm. what year is that, or what is the amp that you're using? Yeah, but you did a bunch of shit to yours. I not that Cl- much. You I clipped the bright cap and you, bright re- cap. you replaced what? Uh, uh, I put a cannabis Rex in it. That's right. Yeah, um, that's a great speaker for that amp. Absolutely, and it sounds. It does sound significantly yeah. better, but I wouldn't say that it sounds characteristically different. You know, but I I think if you put good stuff through it, it sounds good. You know, it, it's just not. I don't like the way they feel. I've never liked the mm-hmm. way. And, and now, I don't know that I've played yours. I've played like stock reissues. No, but you've told me that you didn't like it. Well, that may be true, but was I playing your guitars or mine? No, I was playing my old crappy Telecaster. Well, that probably had a lot to do. That with was it. more what? Yeah. Well, I still, I still wind up with those uh, on backline riders all the time so. everyone does and, and i'm mm-hmm. and i'm good with it typically just because uh you know i'll always have them send at least two 
So you got mm-hmm. one as a backup. Uh, I used one the other night on that uh, gig I did with Don McLean, which was a bucket list gig. is unbelievable gig. And Mr. Don- Mr. American Pie over here. Yeah. I think you just got to kind of know what you're getting uh, when you get... I mean, obviously, you're going to have maybe... It's smart to get two, but maybe you're going to have more consistency than even you know a vintage uh, equivalent. But... You know, things like knowing that there is a bright cap in that second channel and you might not want to run right. overdrive through and it that, because it's going to sound too high. And, that, and, and once you mentioned that, I do remember I did have that bright cap clipped as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I, I did do that mod to, to mine. But uh, there's a certain amount of, uh, of consistency to, to the printed circuit boards that, uh, you know, at least with, with those uh, reissued deluxes that – you know, if I'm flying to a gig and I see a couple of them there, it's kind of, I'm kind of like, okay, I kind of know what I'm going to get. So it even takes, when inconsistent, they're consistent, right? Uh, you know, unless tubes have just been completely worn out, and it's which just, happens, which you know, uh, it can get kind of spongy that way. But you know, vintage the vintage amps can be just they're great. You know, if you find a really good one, there's nothing better. But they can be a little bit inconsistent from time to time. Totally, and uh, and good glass be... always makes a difference in the old to, in the old amps, though. It, it really does. It seems to make less of a difference in a, in a PCB amp, at least to my ears. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Um, like putting a black plate vintage RCA in a PCB amp doesn't sound that much different to me. Not a whole lot than you know, like new Ruby tubes or JJs or yeah, something. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those tubes either. Absolutely just, not. That's what I got in this matchless. Yeah, that's what that's what they built this super, you know, mm-hmm. high fidelity point to point amp to run on the most available source of tubes, which is pretty much JJ's. Smart. Yeah, it really is. And it really, yeah. And I say that. There's a there's a vintage AT in V1, but well, you and, and I mean that that does make a difference. It, it it totally changed the character the pre, of that first on the, channel on the preamp side, especially with the top boost. You know, because those top boosts do need as much sag as they can get. Well, I, I don't. I, in my opinion, I don't like the feel of the sag, which is like. The problem that I've had playing through fenders for a really long time, it's like this the sag just doesn't it doesn't it it's it's almost like uh it feels like a hesitation in the response to me. I don't I I mean I don't know if I guess it's just something I got used to. So uh, many people yeah. are used but, to that. You know, I'm, I, I'm the I'm the, I'm on the outskirts yeah. of this one. But if you look at and, and well and and it's all taste. I mean everybody's got to find you know it, I'll show you what works for me. But you know you've got to you've got to walk your own road when it comes to what your hands are going to do and what your ears are going to hear and what it is you're looking to to put out. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, uh, the the great thing about fenders though is that if the sag's an issue you can you can always go to especially with like a one of these or a or a deluxe or whatnot you can go to a solid state rectifier and yeah. that helps that a lot uh it's still a lot of times can be a little spongy you know if if it's biased a little hotter you know sure which for some players is great uh i like them to be sort of middle of the road 
because I like uh, with you know single coil style pick. You know, I mean, these are stacks, but you know, for single coil sounding and style pickups, I like it to be still a little snappy and a little bit punchy. But if I plug a Les Paul into a deluxe, I want that sag. Yeah. I want just that. You know, I want the Les Paul to to bully it around. Sure, that but, makes sense. But that's that. You know, but to me, that's that sound. Absolutely. You know. I wouldn't use that on a on a Roberts gig by any stretch. Right, right, right. Sure. You are listening to the Gear and Beer Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Want to take your home cooking to the next level? Need new recipe ideas or meal inspiration? Like, follow, and subscribe to Bobby Jam's Kitchen on YouTube and Instagram. At Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Cook your food and eat it. Okay, so let's hear that telly, man. Oh, yeah, let's get that. The the other uh, Kevin Key build... You find good bodies, and then you just put necks on them that you like. Is that kind of the the deal? You said you still had the original neck for your Strat? For the Strat, uh, for this telly, I I did trade the original neck off to a friend. That's right. And I think he's still using it. But, uh, yeah, in the beginning, it's just I I play them, and, you know, for for a while, it was just, you know, getting refretted like every two to three years before I started doing the stainless thing. And then I just decided I'm. Let's just try something different, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so this guitar, uh, it's a '94 uh, California Fat Telly. It was what it was called. Interesting. And uh, I bought it. Uh, I bought it from a guy uh, who he had what, it. What did Fat Telly? What was the? It was a it was a single coil here and a full size humbucker here. It oh, had a, okay. a super five, kind of like a Keith Richards fifty four thing ish. Uh, but it had a it had a full five way switch, so that like you get the single coil there, and then you could get this tapped with that. Oh, this that's full cool. on with that. This tapped by itself, and then full on humbucker by itself. Oh, okay. that's that's so pretty cool. It was it was a cool guitar, uh, and the tone knob had a TBX like. Yeah, like it was a tone to a half point, and then above that, it had that treble bass boost kind of thing. So it could get really bright and really, you know, beastly, beastly. <laughs> yeah, but not it, it's not the mid range control that that uh, uh, boost that uh, is on like the Clapton Strats or whatnot. Uh, okay, so it's a little different than that. So through the years, um, the little time I spent down in Texas, I got to know Red Volkart pretty well. And uh, he was like, man, what you need to do to get all your sounds on that one guitar is do the Brent Mason setup. So he routed out uh, the middle pickup, and we put just a middle pickup in. And, what pickup uh, is it? Do you remember? Uh, back then, I think it was a uh, – man, I don't even remember. What's I in there now? What's in here now? These are these are Freyland's. Okay. Uh, this is the the Freeland uh, stock telly with a two percent overwind. Oh, okay. Just a little extra beef. Just a little bit. 
Our little uh, extra balls probably would be a better yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, and this guitar is really fat for for tail California especially. fat tail. Yeah, it just <laughs> it's a uh, it's really fat. It's got a Forest Lee B bender in it. Oh, Forest! Shout out to Forest. Yep, it does great work. Uh, this is the uh, uh, the Fralin, uh, uh Vintage Hot Strat in the middle oh and uh and the fraylin uh mini humbucker in the neck so it's this is kind of my take on the brent mason-ish setup i like the mini yeah the mini's great i still have a five-way switch but uh it's sort of like a strat except in position four which would usually be these two together i've got it wired up to where it's these two together oh so you still parallel or out of phase uh they're out of phase so Excuse so you get the you know you get the the kind of thing going on Love with it. it sounds great uh and then of course the full humbucker in the neck but uh and this is uh the blend knob it only works in the bridge position it blends in this pickup like the brent mason except i've got it wired backwards from brent the more you turn it up the less there so like here it's on a no load pot too so when it's wide open, it's completely out of the circuit. Can you show us yeah. what that sounds like? This is just this humbucker, or this uh, single coil by itself. So you know, That's snappy, just that good old great. snappy telly. <laughs> but uh, you blend some of this middle pickup in it. It, it, it takes a little bit of that uh, bite away, but it's still got it's still got some snap and and some. Uh, some twang to it. And uh, percentage wise, how much would you say is blended in? Well, it's probably I'd say about twenty percent blended in right there. Okay. Now, if you go to more like a fifty percent, you know, it starts approaching that Steve Warner thing yeah, again. Yeah, it yep. does. Uh, which, of course, if I just it, however this is, if I go to position two, I got. That's, it does that. that sounds so good yeah and that's and, and that and that's just the the little bit of the ego right is it is the ego does it run parallel or yeah it does run parallel is that how you have it set it up i've got it uh i've I just got said it. set it up yeah <laughs> it's not do it's not doing a lot, a lot of compression at the point and it's got a blend knob on it uh so that basically you can blend yeah, you know, the more wide open you run it, the more compressed it is, and the more you peel it back, the more you have just your straight uncompressed signal in. So what I like to do is is sort of like that, just compress it, but have a lot of just the non-compressed signal going with it. That's the only way that I like compression yeah. in a live setting. Right. Yeah, a lot of times in the studio, I don't uh, I don't run a compressor on the floorboard because usually. My signal chain I have at home anyway is uh, uh, whatever uh, I'm running. It, I've got a mic on a cabinet, and then it goes through an API preamp, and then I've got a, a distressor, the Empirical Labs. Is it, are you using the, the 300 series or 500 series? The 500 series. I've got the I've got the 500 series in a lunchbox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike Rennie did the podcast last week, and he brought his – lunchbox with him and oh okay i'm like man i played right. with mike the other night man so. he's he's so great he is awesome great dude too oh look tidings of great joy grazie this very warm beer that i've been holding yeah is about <laughs> I, to 
I just refreshed a second ago. This is, all my beers are non-alcoholic because I don't do alcohol anymore. But uh, this is uh, from Untitled Art. Uh, it's a chocolate milk stout, and it literally tastes like a chocolate milk. And I would just like to say, as a person who still does do alcoholic beer, there are some fantastic non-alcoholic there beer really offerings are. out there these days. There's uh, that that well-being company. Oh yeah, they I make- believe is the one that they like. They brew beer f- full on, and then they have a process that removes the alcohol, and it makes it taste and the mouth feel is so much more oh, yeah. real. Uh, I like their stuff. I like uh, uh, St. Pauli Girl. What's the name of this place? It's called uh, Untitled, Untitled Art. Art. I love the artwork and yeah. it looks it looks awesome. It's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like uh, the St. Pauli Girl is good for a lighter, more, you know, just kind of refreshing sort of beer the Beck. pilsnery kind of thing yeah yeah the beck's non-alcoholic is pretty good too for that um it's a little more champagne you know oh. it's got a, a little sweetness. more sweetness yeah a little more sweetness a little more bubbly mm-hmm. uh I'm trying to think of some other stuff i think it's a i think it's called the brooklyn brewing company they make yeah. one it's called uh it's called the uh, special effects yeah i, that's I, I a, bought that for aaron not too long ago that's blue a really and white good one. yeah yeah that's yeah. great. Uh, I, that one tasted great too. Brooklyn's got great regular beer as well. They're right. Uh, they're one of the first like uh, uh, craft micro brews to get like nationwide distribution. They're obviously a pretty big operation at this point. Right. Well, Kevin, we've reached the point. The que- we've reached. Well, everybody relax. We've <laughs> reached the point of the podcast where I ask you the wacky questions. Uh oh. Uh, feel free to hold that guitar. Feel free to set it down if you prefer. Oh, we'll just hold on to it for a minute. Yeah, man. You never know when the damn jam session is going to break out around here. So, yeah. um, that's Grandma's chocolate pie recipe. Ooh, that's for later. So, I'm going to start with what's going to seem like the dumbest possible question, and that question is going to be. So we're going to do some either ors, okay? And the first one I'm going to ask you is Metallica or Megadeth. It doesn't matter if you like either. I'm just asking you to pick one. Uh, you can. I would have to say Metallica just because I'm a little more familiar with their their music. I would challenge you as a guitar player to listen to some early Megadeth because the guitar playing on that shit is just marty ripping Fr- marty friedman is- pre-marty friedman pre-marty chris poland okay and dave mustaine who uh somehow just keeps sliding under the radar people don't realize Dude, he, he plays half those solos ripping on that yeah. early stuff he's ripping on all of it right he writes it all he arranges it he but I, I think it. just the the uh I remember watching the VH1 stuff as a kid where they there's one one episode of something where they interview him and he's like, I was just pissed at everybody in Metallica for kicking me out. And I was in a, you know, alcoholic rage and I did a couple of records in like two years or something. And I think you just you hear it in the music. There, it oh, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, I keep answering the questions that you. That's OK. That's oh, it's, fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and I, you know, I, I listen to all kinds of music and you know i did grow up with some some of the 
classic metal stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess if I had, if if I could throw a third name in there, I would probably say Iron Maiden. Okay, I really dug their stuff. The two guitar attack that they had totally. and everything. But there's great stuff from all those bands, no doubt. And I just. I find myself uh, making the case for Megadeth, at least in this question segment of this podcast, just because most often people say what you say, which is like, I I pick Metallica because I don't know that much about Megadeth, and I just have always been a Megadeth fan. I love Metallica. No case needs to be made for Metallica. They've done, they done made it, and it's pretty, pretty much set in stone that one of the one of the best bands ever great stuff i especially love their early stuff uh the thrashier the raw stuff but i like later stuff too and that goes that goes for for megadeth as well um so along the lines of that question uh my next question would be jazz or metal jazz I kind of knew the answer to that yeah. question, but um, and that's what most people say. One per the one person did say metal, and Who I was think it? I think it was Lindsay, <laughs> which uh, is funny because she's a jazz guitarist. Yeah, I feel like yeah. she's just doing bits. <laughs> yeah, but well, and and uh, I love you know I like I say I listen to all different styles of music, but uh, I really. The older I get, the more I, appreciation I have for jazz. I guess the more I it's start the language to of improvisation, it. which is something that you and I do a lot. Right, you know? absolutely. And you know, Wes Montgomery will always be one of my top five yeah. all time. Anybody who is not considering him hasn't listened. This is true. Stranded or solid core cables. this used to be a more pertinent question i think that this everybody leans one way these days i'm pretty i'm 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 pretty solid core really I well i mean they sound the best but they they break a lot so most yeah. places lean away from them these days but they do sound better yeah i i uh and i and i go through phases with cable you know like i Every six months on a pedal board somewhere, I have a cable just kind of, you know, take a crap. It's bound to happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's a creature of habit thing, sure. probably for me. So, do you build your own cables? I have before. I've done, uh, I've done the George L stuff. And uh, sounds good, fails often. Yeah, that's kind of what I, it's kind of what I've thought. I've got a lot of it on that little board I keep at home in my studio, and it works there sure. because it's not, it's not in trailers around. or yeah, in, it's not moving around yeah. a lot. Uh, and I've used uh, the Planet Wave stuff is pretty good too. It's not it's not bad at all. I don't think it sounds quite as good as the George L's, but uh, I, I was just going to say for the price point, I don't think it sounds as good as they charge for it yeah uh but uh but yeah i still i still you know soldered cables and occasionally if i'm kind of if i've got the time to do it and sort of feeling frisky i may try to fix a fix one that i can resolder sure i'm not great with a soldering iron i'm right there with you but if you've seen me through the years you'll see that i'm tinkering with guitars and pickups and electronics i'm not afraid to solder but if I show the solder to Justin Butler, he's going to make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing he talked about when he opened my basement up. <laughs> he fr- pointed out all the bad solder jobs. Yeah. 
Well, that's kind of his deal. That's funny. He uh, tells us all uh, <laughs> what we're doing wrong. He, he tells us he's like, no, he didn't. He tells us all what has gone wrong in the past with this amp, and then he restores it back to mm. the way it should be. It's glorious. Or he can he can do more than restore it, and he can uh, do the mods like you and yeah. you've got in your basement. You know the the Marshall thing where mm-hmm. he does a tweet in the first channel, and oh yeah. Oh, there's all kinds of That's exactly cool what things. he's doing to mine. I'm very excited about it. I, awesome. I can't wait for you to get that back and bring it to this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to come here for that. Yeah, man. You should absolutely. We'll 100% be having you back. So clear, wow. clear your schedule. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think I know the answer, but uh, how do you feel about buffers? I it used to be taboo. Everybody used to be like buffered or true bypass. So the question is actually buffer or true bypass. But I think we're all beyond that. Uh, you get, you got a long like, run I, of cable. I, you have to have a buffer. Yeah, mate. Uh, you've got to have something in there that that if you're running. I mean, all this stuff that I've got in this chain right here. You know, it's all true bypass. But you know, you're the still, line six doesn't have a buffer in it i it's got a buffer i think it does it yeah does. so uh i don't think any of the rest of them do maybe the memory man too actually yeah you could be right about that i really what, what version of the memory man is that it's the 550 tap i've had it about 12 13 years uh it's i i wanted to get the 1100 but uh they're just so hard to find that's the vintage one well no i've got i have a vintage one at home on oh, that, okay. that little board the and big, the big silver the one, the big silver one, and it's had the analog. Map. Looks like it's made out of like uh, sheet metal. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. I have a maybe like clarification question for you guys. Um, it like, wouldn't you want a non-buffered pedal so that you can choose, like a true bypass pedal, so that you can choose where the buffer goes in your chain? I well, if you were designing something, sure. But the the re- the more stark reality of that situation is certain pedals that have sounds that you're looking for come with a buffer, That's and that buffer issue. and that buffer sounds good. So it's it really comes down to if you don't like the way that buffer is hitting your signal chain, you can move it around, and if it doesn't work, then you find only true bypass and you put the buffer where you want it. And there's certainly many companies that make just a buffer, and you can put it anywhere that you right. like the That's buffer. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't necessarily want a, I don't necessarily want a pedal to also do the buffer thing, because I want to be able to put that pedal wherever I want in my signal chain. You see what I'm saying? I yeah. do see what you're saying, and that's just like a total control. But I think the the more useful application is, or, or the more uh, common application, I think is pedals that people gravitate towards that have buffers in them they like them not only because whatever the effect is but because the buffer is pleasant as well Uh, regardless of where you're putting it in your chain you you're drawn to the pedal because of the way it sounds and the buffer just happens to sound good too Hmm. like uh i have a Korg. uh was it called a dt2 or something tuner on my my bass pedal board yeah and that's a, like one of the older buffered people love that yeah. buffer for whatever reason yeah never even occurred to me i i've but never actually had a outright buffer itself i haven't on any either board. 
uh obviously i used i've used the boss chromatic tuners for years and i know they are buffered 100 percent. Right? a lot of boss every, stuff i is think buffered. every boss pedal is buffered yeah, they, they, at least Maybe the old the, ones the old delays? ones are for sure are the delays buffered um I, i'm honestly not sure i gotta replace my dd5 it's on the fritz mm. yeah but uh you know i i guess i'd probably be a little more of a true bypass person but i i you know the the only pedal I, that i still currently use that i can really hear signal drop when it's in the chain and not being used is uh i've got I've got a Nobles ODR one that does that, hmm. and I need really? it, and I need to get it to Justin Butler or just buy one of his uh, because I know he fixes all that. Well, he didn't sell them; he just rehouses them. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Right on. Well, I yeah. A lot, I love that pedal, but I don't. I don't like it for guitar. At least not with my amps. I, I, lo- I use I it on my it bass board. More, I love it more for bass. I've got this pedal right here that my friend. Uh, Mike Sutterfield built for me. I'm about to say it said Sutter on. I was going to ask you. Uh, yeah, I was going to be funny. And I want to give. I want to give a shout out to him for that. Uh, he's there's only three of these. In Hook them horns. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, he'll he'll text any minute now. He's Oklahoma like, swine. It's okay. He is, yeah. <laughs> he's love you, Mike. He's a sooner. Uh, but he uh, he built this pedal. I think there's only three of them. He's got one. I've got one, and Clint Chandler from Lady Antebellum, has, or Lady A, whatever they're called now, has one. And uh, it's it's the Nobles ODR-1 circuit in a true bypass housing, but he rolls a little bit of that low end out, so it's a little more I was just going to say, is there a base, base cut dip switch in it, or is it just like a... a, a he built that into the circuit where I it think cuts he it bu- out. I think he built it into the circuit uh, to where it cuts out. And it's got a little, oddly enough, a little more gain. Hmm. Uh, it still sags like one, which I love. Which is that—that's just a characteristic of that pedal. Yeah, you either love it or you hate it. I wish he still lived does. here. I miss that guy. I miss Michael. I never played with him, but I mean, I have played with him many times. But mm-hmm. the last several years, I play with him maybe three or four times. Yeah. But I always love seeing that guy. We've spent a lot of time together on stage and smoking cigars and riding around in vehicles he's a great dude and a freaking killer guitar player that he is he's got great taste in amps yep he plays these things yeah he does he's got a really uh he's got a really cool view of that whole thing where it's like uh low wattage amp into high wattage speakers and vice versa high wattage amp into low wattage speakers right he's gonna run a a, a super bass into some 15 watts or some 25 watt speakers and he runs his 30 watt dc or 30 watt hc30 into that 200 watt freaking ev evl yeah uh but it works but you know his whole thing is like if you're gonna make something break up the other thing doesn't need to you know interesting he's absolutely right you know i almost mean you know it it, to me it it, yeah i can see it that way because i i definitely use higher wattage speakers than i typically do the amps but i like low wattage amps so i do too and i like high wattage like this this marshall behind me it's only means only 50 watts but that's pretty high uh it's the the highest wattage amp that i well that's not true i got a twin back there um 
it the twin is something must be wrong with it because it's quieter than the pro and it's hmm. quite it's just quieter than everything hmm. so i need to take that the butler as well um it does sound good it's very warm amp yeah. 67 twin um but i i just um uh, I'm, I'm having i'm searching for words kevin uh <laughs> ah, whatever i give up <laughs> next question two for two. we got cigars to smoke too yeah. to smoke too to, to smoke um yeah. Since you are a bass player, this yeah. is a pertinent question, and okay. that question is jazz or precision. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have one hundred percent been all the way jazz. That's the you you and I have very similar looking basses, do, do we not? Yeah, we do. Five string jazz mm-hmm. with rosewoods. Yep. Uh, however, I acquired uh, I did a little horse trading through. Uh, my family with my dad my uncle and or they did some horse trading first dad wound up with a uh uh i think it's a 2012 american standard p base i'd never had one you know i'd only messed around with them a little bit here and there so i traded him something for that p base and that's 90 percent of the time what i play now p base town but you know a lot of what I play is pretty traditional country sounding stuff, so the P bass works for that. When I record, it just depends. I sure. I probably use the jazz bass a little more because it's more versatile. I agree. Uh, we talked about that last night, did we not? Yeah. And you guys were both arguing I'm, I'm for P bass. bass. Yeah, I love a P bass, but it is it is. I feel it's less versatile. I agree, but I still love a P bass. I mean, I love a P bass. I don't think anybody's questioning that we right. do or don't love right, the P right. bass. Well, I w- I would be more apt to say Fender bass over any other bass. Sure. Um, I'm not a Stingray guy. I've heard them. They sound great. Oh yeah, and not and, for me. And it's and, you know it's not knocking anything. It's the same way I'd be about guitars. I'm a Fender Actually, guitar guy. I over. really like Lakelands too. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you like Fender style Lakelands, or do you like like? Uh, I mean, what Lakeland is not a Fender style. Uh, the fifty five hundred one, the fifty five hundred two. They have many, many of their models. I've really <laughs> only seen J bass style ones. I'm sorry, I cut you off, man. No, you you're, saying- no, you're, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but I, I just, uh, you know, all instruments have their place for sure, and I think they all do their thing, you know, and. Uh, that's why we want to own as many of them as we can because mm-hmm. uh paintbrushes yeah it's paintbrush it, absolutely that's the way that that's the way to do it well and, and like i just said i'm not a i'm not a stingray guy but uh anybody that wants to say yeah stingray suck and like i i'm immediately going to point to craig young and be like oh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and they're going to be like oh maybe not maybe i don't know what i'm talking oh, about you know don mott don't you I do. Don plays a Lakeland, and he plays a Stingray, and he sounds amazing on both of them. I think I've only ever seen him play the Lakeland. I've only played a couple of gigs with Don. Don's fantastic. He's got a Stingray 5 that's amazing. But I think you could put a broomstick with baling wire on it in his hands, and he'd make it sound great. There, As much as I love gear, there's that old saying, uh, it's not mm-hmm. the arrow, it's the Indian. You've got to know what to do with it. No doubt. Absolutely. But, but – uh, for the purpose of of this show, 
we'll, we'll just stick with talking about the gear. Well, and you know, this is a, a show about arrows. <laughs> at the end of the day, it is some of all parts, but each part matters. Abs- absolutely, we, we can all agree on that. Um, so I'm going to ask you three more questions, Kevin, because we're okay. running short on time on this last little. I mean, we could go longer if we need to, and if yeah. we decide that we can. I'm going to try to wrap it up because we got cigars to smoke, by God. All right. Um, so I'm going to say volume pedal or volume knob? Your answer might be both, but I'm asking you to pick. I use both, but I probably use volume knob more than I do the pedal. Uh, just because I like, especially with gain, to be able to vary up the the amount totally you know i think i think tonally speaking if you roll that down you know obviously it's not going to be as drastic a change in volume but the tone is going to change and sometimes the tone needs to change more than the volume does sure well and you know everybody's got what they like i like treble bleeds a lot of dudes don't like that um they're very they're very usable I, sure. I i totally agree because i don't especially with something like a matchless where wide open almost always sounds kind of muddy roll it back just a little bit and keep the integrity of all of the signal Deer and beer. my favorite is the randy hauser episode i haven't listened to that one but i like i like randy me like randy a lot i I love Uh, i love randy to begin with the first time i met him was right before badonkadonk came out and he he talked some shit on that song yeah well and he he was even talking shit on it that night it was a guitar (laughs) pull thing we were doing for like an internet radio deal you know this is 15 16 years ago and he's like uh yeah jamie johnson and i were hanging out and we were you know we just smoking weed and yeah doing whatever and saying uh he brought up badonkadonk from Chappelle show is where he heard it from and i love Chappelle. i love i love everything about Chappelle. oh uh, well you, you're in good company yeah we all agree with that yeah but uh you know he he's like we sort of wrote this as a joke and he said and then next thing you know trace has cut it and he said yep. it should be out here before too long sure enough about two weeks later it was on like gangbusters <laughs> he said they were I, I think if i recall correctly from the story he was like in a he was like playing on broadway or something when they when they were hanging or maybe they were just hanging on broadway just shooting the shit yeah and that's how that song came about the only time i've ever talked with randy was at the franklin or the amigo guitar show or whatever they they called that thing and he he plays matches on the road uh he plays dc 30s this is obviously hc 30 but he had he was in australia where his wife is from and uh he met some dude that like sources these weird tubes that he was telling me about and i can't find that information but i've been honestly thinking about just hitting him up on instagram and seeing if he would want to come talk about those tubes and i just love that he's a straight up mississippi hippie oh yeah he is you know and he's you know i the last time sing I, a fucking circle around half the motherfuckers in this town too he came into roberts late one night while i was playing there on monday night and had some girl with him and we're just playing all that old shit that we play you know and he uh he's like uh 
Hey, man, there's this old Mill Street song. I'll give you 50 bucks if you'll sing it. And I knew how I knew how it went. I had to look the words up to, to make it happen. Sure. And only a couple of guys in the band had even ever heard it. We just tried it. We, you know, kind of, it wasn't a train wreck, but we we got through. got through the the damn right. song. We right. got through. He came up and he dropped he dropped a hundred in the tip jug, and then we took a break shortly after that. And he came up to me and we just talked for like fifteen minutes about old songs. And he's a fucking he's him and uh, from what I understand, Blake Shelton are just like walking jukeboxes. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, yeah Blake. Okay, Blake is. Uh, there's a lot more to Blake than most people see. That's and what I everyone think, and, says. And, well, and I, th- I think it's probably what pisses me off the most about him, <laughs> is because I'm like, if I were him, in the in the position he's in now, yeah, now, I'd make it the kind of music I want to make and tell everybody to piss off is exactly what I do. But I think the kind of music that he wants to make is the kind of music that keeps him at relevant at, at the top of 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 everybody's thought tree you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> but uh, but from what i've heard are we rolling he would, yeah we're rolling oh, okay. oh, but from what you guys want. yeah <laughs> probably have to edit some of this out but yeah i'm not gonna we'll you know we, yeah. want, we don't you know i don't like to rag too much on people but. well and we're, we weren't even doing yeah. that i just uh you know i don't want to stray I, away from i just hit roll because we're not about to do 30 minutes no for sure let, let me ask you a few Let's more bring questions. it home okay yeah go ahead it's by god it's almost 11 it's time to smoke cigars yeah my God. If I can unlock my phone. London, clap for me. Give you the clap. Thank you. Wasn't very good. <laughs> this is an impossible question. Okay. But let's say you're forced to just use a single pedal for the rest of your life. It can be a King of Tone. It can be a DD6. It can be a I will even give you an Echoplex. I'll give I'll give you a, a Strymon Mobius. I'll give you H nine. Well, I'll throw a little curveball in what you say. Sure, and I'll say a Boss Tu three. That's a tuner. Yeah, it's the most important pedal a man can ever own. <laughs> I love that answer. That's great. By God, Kevin Key, that is a very, that is a very <laughs> that is, answer. That is a, that's a sage answer. Man. Yeah, but yeah, because if it ain't in tune, I don't want to hear it. But you know, no. Uh, oh yeah, man. But I know what you're saying, and that, and like you said, that is an impossible question. It would depend on the gig. What? Well, but the, but, but the, the, that's the deal. The deal is every gig. Every gig. You're you're gonna continue your work life, but you get you only get one pedal. Man, it's got to be some sort of tape machine for me because you can get yeah. overdrive out of a tape machine. You can get echo. You can get verb. It would, prob- it would probably be this deluxe Clean memory man, uh, because you can you can overdrive an amp with it. Sure. You know, you can push an amp around, yeah. and get your echoes. anything with some sort of pre. I think is, yeah, it would have to be that. I mean, as a close second, Strymon Deco would be a, a that would be a good one. That's a weird pedal to like figure oh, out how yeah. to use correctly, but I would say the El Capistan. Except you play one of those? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, the it, Deco. It, yeah, it's oh, one of the I've ones heard, I haven't checked out. It's crazy. I haven't checked it out, but I've heard that it's great. Boo used to have one on his board at Cowboys, and it was awesome. 
Uh, a very close second would be the the King of Tone. Hmm. Uh, it's my favorite overdrive of all time for sure because it's just so natural to. I want to, and I and I am going to buy. So the sixty nine pedals, King of Clone. Yeah. Uh, you can get them all day for like a hundred bucks. No way. From China. You were yeah. telling me about it. I didn't know it was a hundred. Yeah, it's a hundred wow. bucks. Oh. And Boo brought his over here last week, and we sat in here and we put it through the ringer, and it sounds awesome. And he has a bead, real ones, and and that clone, and. I trust his judgment because if I have good tone, it's because he he has yeah, good tone. Right. Oh yeah, and I have good tone, so he's got good tone. But I, I, you know, he's he's essentially my my guitar guru. I mean, he's one of my he's my buddy, but he's right. like I, you know, he's opened a lot of doors for me, uh, like from a uh, like a conceptual standpoint, right? Not like career doors necessarily, but like the approach to tone and and playing like uh i played bass in a in a a dance hall band with him for three years when we first met and playing bass in the same band as him made me three to eight times the rhythm guitar player that i was before because i realized it made me realize how important rhythm guitar is in contribution to groove you know and oh yeah so few people look at it i know you don't look at it that way because i played many gigs with you on the bass where you're playing guitar and the pocket is always there and pocket with with, with robbie the pocket is always there but not everybody looks at it that way right and and also guys like you and robbie and me these days like not afraid to use space no even in a uh four piece with a a singer bass and drums you know right that's space space is is a good thing i mean it you, uh, everybody's ears need a break and and to the rhythm guitar thing i'll always 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 say the heart and soul of one of the greatest bands of all time acdc was malcolm young yeah absolutely uh, riff and pocket man absolutely i mean angus yeah, Angus is amazing. Don't get me wrong, and he probably plays a lot of that stuff. But Malcolm holds that whole thing together, or held that whole thing together. No and, doubt. Uh, I mean, and that you know that to me is rock and roll in its purest form, sure. because it's two guitars, bass, drums, and a singer, and everything they play you feel like you've got a Mack truck driving right over your face. ACDC is a special thing too. That's a very yeah. pocket band. And they don't they don't play they don't play anything super fast or super slow. It's all kind of mid tempo, but it's all groove. That's the whole thing. It's they're all like, groove. They're like the anti Led Zeppelin, where Led Zeppelin is like all heady creativity, push the envelope both sonically and uh compositionally and acdc is they're they're a they're a peterbilt headed down a straight stretch of highway you know what i'm saying <laughs> i love yeah. that analogy but yeah, man. you know <laughs> as sick as we all are of probably of shook me all night long just because we've heard it as much as we had Dude, i'm only, I'm only sick of it, it if you, if the people playing it with me suck exactly man if the drummer is good 
That's a all you got to do is play first eight bars. You start. You can't help. You can't help but tap your foot to it. I mean, it's you know, uh, or nod your head. Uh, uh, uh. And Phil uh, and Phil Rudd uh, is one of the greatest uh, uh, drummers of all time. That's <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite. Yeah, it is. Uh uh. Uh huh. Kevin, next question. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite venue? Wow. Uh. Well, that, that's not the question. The question is, what's your favorite venue? What's my favorite venue? Not do you have one? Because you do. You probably have several. Uh, Most people do. Not from a logistical standpoint, but just favorite because of uh, the vibe of the room. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, would it either be the Grand Ole Opry House or the Ryman Auditorium. Okay. You know, anytime I've gotten to play the Grand Ole Opry, it's it's magical because of the history of what it is and what it means to our industry here in Nashville. Sure. Uh, you know, logistically, sometimes it's a nightmare because it's a the on and off, and you walk right out, yeah. you plug in, you hope it works, and if it don't, you weather, you weather through it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's gotten better because they they've got better te- the the crew they have out there is top notch. It really is, but still, aren't they affiliated in some way with the same production company as Old Red and uh, what's it called? Um, as of recent, I think. as of recent, I think yeah. But uh, I you know I think they've been their own thing for a while, and just as Gaylord itself has grown a little bit, I think it they. Okay, that all fits underneath that umbrella. I see. If I if if I had to guess, and, I mean and, that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, but no, all the all the engineers, all the stage hands, and the techs and whatnot out there are top notch. They're they're right on top of things, and it's all about make the show run as quick as it can. I've never played. I've been a few times, and I enjoyed the absolute shit out of myself each time I've been out there. Yeah. Um. Um. One, the first time I went, I went uh, Billy Freeman, who I know you know. I know Billy. Uh, he got me in when they when Dustin was playing, and Restless Heart closed out the night, and I was like a kid in a candy shop. Man, I love that. Tell you band. what, they they still sounded so good. They and Exile, those two bands. What's you, uh, what's old dude's name? Uh, Rushlow. Uh, he was uh, Rush Lowe was from Little Texas. Oh, that's Little. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, what's the name of the dude uh, from uh, from Russell's Heart? Oh, uh, Larry Stewart. That's right. Is, is he doing that frontman thing too? He is. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they're doing that right. That's now. R K and uh, uh, Matt Krause. Yeah, on bass and drums respectively. Right, Matt Krause of uh, Episode Twelve fame. Yes, <laughs> working drummer podcast. <laughs> working drummer podcast. We all love us some Matt Krause. Oh. But no, you'll never hear better vocals in a live setting than you will from either Restless Heart or Exile. Those both of those bands, and they sound better today than they ever have. Interesting. Uh, I believe that because I think it was twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen, or twenty sixteen when I saw Restless Heart at the Opry, and I mean, good luck sounding better than they sounded. <laughs> yeah, if the vocals sound that good on the Opry because of everything being thrown together and everybody, and you know. Uh, a sound guy having to get a mix up immediately yeah mm-hmm. you know and and also the the monitors being set to where everybody on stage can hear the way they want to well if and they the, sound if they sound yeah. that good you know they're that good and the rules right no tracks yeah no click right 
Yeah, they well, there is a you can you run can a click, a click a, and I think they are wrong. well, and and the damn Opry band be shifting out too because mm-hmm. I know that uh, my my neighbor and buddy Eddie Dunlap is yeah fills in for Tommy all the time, right? And yeah. they're both incredible, but they're not the same dude. So no. it's you know things are not going to go the the same way. Not all the time, but uh, but they're, no, still, they're both extremely capable. Oh, they're both very <laughs> capable. I love it. I, I mean, lo- Tommy White is Tommy White, but uh, for for a younger man, Eddie is and he's fantastic. Eddie's amazing, and he's one of. I worked with him last week too. Did you? So, I, yeah. I, I, he and I have done a bunch of gigs and a little bit of studio stuff together. I pretty much. I always say, give me if I've got to pick a steel player, give me one of the two Eddies. Give me Eddie Lang or, or Eddie Dunlap, yeah. one or the other. You know, that's my that's my two go tos. Uh, either of the cousins, cousins Eddie, cousins Eddie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> one other venue I want to throw out there really quick uh, that I all that I had a great time playing at because uh, I got to play there like four days in a row back when I worked with Colin Ray was uh, uh, Bass uh hall in oh yeah in dude. fort worth oh it's a great room oh man that's right yeah, yeah. robert O'Keen does a like a christmas show there every year i've been to a couple of those it's, i think it's the only thing i've ever seen there that i can yeah th- off the top of my and head. that symphony uh, or orchestra whatever they're called mm-hmm. is top notch they're the, wonderful the fort worth yeah fwso unt yeah. used to do a bunch of their uh guest artist lecture series people there that's uh cool seen a bunch of concerts there it's that's an, a that's an amazing place as is as is the Meyerson in downtown dallas and they do more stuff yep. like that these days but when i you know when i was coming up they were it was just like uh almost all symphony stuff and then the you know the symphony pops series where they they'd have that's right yeah yeah barry manilow or you know whoever come yeah, through kind of a covers thing um kevin i got two questions left okay uh, actually i got three questions left okay let's so let's say it it's it is a non-practical question but let's say you only get to pick one piece of gear to operate with let's say you're stuck on a, it's a desert island piece of gear it can be a guitar it can be a you know whatever it can be but it's one thing uh well i know my answer and i think it's a weird one but it's my answer um man that's a tough one it it, you know i would i would have to say electric guitars would be out because you would have to have an amplifier to play them through i agree so uh well, but a lot of people choose an electric guitar. They're like, one, I just want my Give me telly. one moment and I'll show you what it is. Ah, that's what I wanted to see. Because that, that's the answer to my question, too, but nobody's ever said that. It would probably be this piece of wood right here. That's a pretty boy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not a super old one. It's a 1983 uh, Gibson Humminbird. It's and, in fantastic uh, shape. It's Beautiful. in incredible shape. My dad uh, knew a guy who had inherited these, and he sold them to my dad, and dad gave this to me. So it has sentimental value on top of uh, just great playability, really good tone. and Sounds very balanced. It's, it's almost a, 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 a 
minty under under grandpa's bed type situation. Right. You were telling me about a closet it classic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really what it was. Whoever bought it, bought it new. It sat in a closet for 30 plus years. And then uh, uh, this gentleman who had them, uh, this and a dove, uh, Ooh, showed it to me. What year dove? The uh, same year, 1983. Oh, my dad's got an 80 or 78 dove that I love. It's black. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that, I bet that's pretty. It's, it's pretty. And it sounded terrible for a very long time, but it's so old that it now sounds very good. Yeah. Uh, this one of my dad's is like cherry red top, yeah. Mm. So it's uh, but uh, it's not lacquered up and suffocated with a bunch of paint. <laughs> no, not nice not a ton. Not a ton. It's 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 really nice. Uh, but uh, old guys like I don't play. My kids don't play. He said, uh, if if you want, I'll sell them to you pretty cheap. My dad's like, okay. So he picked them both up. He gave me this one, and. Uh, I've had it refretted, and uh, it needed a little bit of structural work on it when I first got it, but uh, it's in tip-top shape now. Is this a dark grain, or was that a crack? I don't feel anything. It's, it's dark. It's just the darkness in the grain. Okay, it's just like a weird... It looks like... Oh, yeah, yeah I see that now. Right. Huh. Yeah. And just a beauty mark, basically. Oh, actually, it's a two-piece top? Yeah, it's so a two-piece. That's where the seam is. Yeah, that's, that's, that is where, yeah that's where the seam is. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because you can see it up. Uh, if you look in the light, you can see it. Uh, past the bridge i'm uh, so uh i'm gonna ask you these last two questions and then i'd i'd like to uh rep- i'm gonna reposition my mic on this guitar and just have you play 30 seconds so that we okay. can kind of get a, a sound of that guitar okay That's cool uh so the second to last question is uh what is the professional accomplishment that you're most proud of oh wow it's a weird question. It's a little reflective. How do, how I apologize. Do you, how do you humble brag? Uh, no, I. You know, let her rip, bro. That's how you do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, I've I've been blessed to do a lot of really cool things. Uh, this past weekend, working with, uh, getting to fill in a date with Don McLean, sort of is sort of a last minute call. I was, was wondering if that was going to be. That, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> gonna pretty, have pretty cool that's gonna have to kind of slide in there a little bit <laughs> yeah um but uh i top of I've mind done, you know i've done uh you know the grand Ole opry at either at either venue uh and i've actually done it at the uh war memorial after the flood oh wow. yeah i've i've done it there too so i've played the grand Ole opry in three different venues that's cool and that's a uh that's always a great experience i haven't done it i I hope that you I get will. to someday. You will. You will. You you stick around long enough, you'll you'll probably be there more than you want to be. Well, you can't get rid of me very easily, uh, Kevin Key. So I have I going uh, nowhere. Uh, probably getting to go overseas with the USO when I work with Mark Wills to entertain our troops. That'll always hold a special place in my heart too. Because where'd you guys go? Uh, we would we would start in Kuwait. And then go through Iraq. So it was a middle, the Middle East thing. It wasn't yeah. like a like a Europe based. Yeah, thing. it was Middle East, right in the middle, right in the thick of everything. That's wild, man. And uh, probably in a horribly uh, middle of summer. No, kind of a, it was Christmas time. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Christmas time. So it was like reasonable to be outside. No, it was cold. 
It, oh, was it? It's pretty cold. I mean, daytime wouldn't be terrible, but nighttime would get really cold. Well, yeah. Even, Espe- especially in Afghanistan because you're in the mountains. But say uh, the ele- the elevations in some of those places make it kind of crazy. Uh, it's like, you know, mountain weather where it gets hot as shit yeah. during the day and then drops 50 degrees when the sun goes down right. or whatever. Yeah. Especially but, uh, in the desert. But, uh, but you'll never play for a more appreciative audience mm. and uh and i always i still pinch myself when i run into people that i met over there when i see them here stateside it's just it's the coolest feeling so uh but uh that that will always hold a you know it'll make you look at things a lot differently too when sure. you come back home yeah so uh i believe it yeah i've i only had a couple offered and they were both so last minute that i just like I just couldn't bail out of all the things that you know, right? And and feel good about it. Yeah, it's something that I would like to do though. Um, even you know the extremely inhospitable climates, like the Southeast Asia's and uh, Middle East, where it's just like brutal to be outside or inside (laughs) oh yeah well and from what i understand yeah it's uh it's 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 different in a lot of different respects you learn how to wear your body armor sure where you go yeah uh and uh you know you you constantly remind yourself hey i'm not watching this on the news i'm seeing this firsthand right in front of me and you know but uh it's a it's it's a wonderful experience i i wouldn't take anything for it so hell yeah i got one last question for you mr kevin key of carthage tennessee this question is the last question and i'm calling it the king's court and i'm going to ask you albert freddie bb or x freddie all day every day and that's not to slide any of the others no but but you couldn't even if you tried <laughs> no not at all i love that answer freddie as a like Dallas when, you, boy. when you said freddie i almost cut you off <laughs> but no i think i think freddie king without a doubt is the greatest blues man of all time he damn sure got the coolest songs yeah he the, sang, the progressive writing for that genre yeah. is Find, find me somebody doing anything like I loved his singing Palace too. of the King. Yeah, I loved his singing. And just every note. Just, so aggressive. Just, every note just ripped right through you. I mean, it. It. it he's, he's without a doubt my favorite blues man of all. He has a way of playing completely out of time and still being exactly in the pocket. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he, so weird. He is man. the pocket. That's I fair mean, enough. Really, I mean, it's. But, you know, just like all greats like that, they're gone too soon. Uh, yeah. But he felt every note he sang. He felt every note he played. Uh, Palace yeah. of the King may be one of the finest songs oh, of yeah. all time. It's great. And he always had a great funky band around him, too. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, give me Freddie any day. That's that's a fantastic answer, and certainly you're the first one who's ever chosen Freddie. 
There's no wrong answer. That's the best part. It's really not. I the, mean, the question started out as Freddie, BB, or Albert, and then somebody said King's X, and I was like, <laughs> I have to have to put that in there. It's a very different king, but it is a yeah, a, it's a king. Yeah, there's no wrong answer among all those. I, I I have a I have a spiel, and I haven't said it in several episodes, so I will say, I always say, Albert's the best guitar player. BB is the best singer, and Freddie had the best songs. That's that's my way of giving each of them props and keeping them. Uh, they all they all win first place in in the. They're, they're all kings in the pageant. Yeah, they're no all, doubt. Uh, they're uh, all kings. They're all kings. By God, that is a perfect place to end it. Speaking of kings, Mister Kevin Key, thank you for coming, man. Thank you for having me. Loved it. Uh, We'll definitely have you back. Um, sorry to cut everybody off, but we've we've got man business to tend to. <laughs> so uh, we're going to put links to Kevin's site and uh, all the stuff that we alluded to earlier. I just want to thank Kevin again, Lyndon McCarty, Twisting and Tweaking. Make sure and hit that subscribe thing and turn on your notifications. Hit the bell. Leave us a comment. Tell us who you want to hear. Tell us what you want to know about. Uh tell us what we got wrong we're into it all so until next time thanks for tuning in to gear and beer thank you for listening to the gear and beer podcast make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels and if you haven't already follow our instagram and youtube channels we truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about gear and beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again, and until the next episode.